Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this special episode of The Professor Travel Domestic Edition. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn more about different types of travel destinations. This is where you come as a community to discuss more. Hopefully, this will inspire you to travel more and ultimately to enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me on a variety of different social media platforms, but first and foremost at my website, which is at theprofessortravel.com. On YouTube, Facebook, and on TikTok now, you can reach me at theprofessortravel. If you're an Instagrammer, you can find me there at the underscore professor underscore travel. If you are a Twitter, -er 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 -er, I'm not quite sure what the terminology would be, then you can find me there at theprofessortr1. And then if you're a blogger, you can find me on Blogspot at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I am so proud to introduce you to my visiting professor today, uh, Professor Scott Polly, uh, a colleague of mine. He's been with me for a few years. Say hi, Scott. Hello, everybody. Hey, wel welcome to the show. Appreciate you being you. here, man. Appreciate you uh, inviting me. Oh, thank you so much. Now, for my students who are not familiar with you and would like to know a little bit more about you, can you tell me a little bit about your background, including some of your educational background, as well as maybe a couple places that you've traveled? All right. Well, uh, my name is, like you said, Scott Pauly. I have a background from um, IT, uh, but as far as my education, I graduated from University of Phoenix with my MBA with Scott. Yep. So he was a colleague of mine. And um, what else can I say? I guess I've traveled uh, extensively myself being in the Marine Corps uh, when I was younger. So I've seen a lot of countries of the world. And now I live in California and not South Dakota. But uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. In fact, the focus of this specific vlog and podcast will be to talk about South Dakota and some of your experiences there. How long did you live in South Dakota for? I lived there for 17 years. I turned 18 in boot camp. So 17 <laughs> and then some just to go back and visit. But from so born there and raised there till 17. Awesome. Well, I know virtually nothing about South Dakota. So talk to me about any history that you know about South Dakota at all. Well, older history up to 1950s. Well, um, South Dakota was primarily um, American Indian um, back in the day. But then uh, as time went on and there was all the wars and things and fighting, but went back and forth, the government gave them some places that were Indian reservations, but uh, is now very sparsely populated. Um, not too much history there. I guess you could talk about more about the Indians and we will probably a little bit. More recent history has been rather interesting. So I don't know if you know uh, with COVID, actually, South Dakota has now taken number one position for the Hard, highest uh, mm. per capita COVID because they are, well, as far as I'm concerned, not very smart about what they're doing. They're not wearing masks. I don't know if you've heard of Sturgis bike rally. 
Yeah. That was held recently, and that was um, the biggest spread that exploded South Dakota from, like, bottom of the barrel, least amount of COVID, to now they number one as of this, like, a couple days ago in the news. And it's not to help with our current governor who's been speaking against wearing masks, saying it doesn't do a thing, neither does. She's really a proponent of saying that it's useless to even socially distance and close things down. So... Yeah, uh, it's got its issues right now, um, but um, hopefully they get better. Well, and uh, to punctuate that, uh, I think I think we should mention that you're married to a doctor, so it's it's health is health is obviously one of those things that's a, that's on the forefront of your mind at all times, correct? Sure, but it's kind of funny that I live in LA, and, and as a, as a heavily populated area, we have a far less percentage per capita of uh, COVID cases than South Dakota. So it just goes to show you what uh, a little bit of safety can do, and they're very conscious here. And it seems like even going down south in San Diego or different cities in the United. In, in California, they're much more lax than LA. LA's been really good about it. Yeah. Um, do you still have relatives over in South Dakota right now? I do, and I go back and visit every so often. Now, most of them have spread out throughout the United States, but there's still some that were homesteaded there. Like they had their house that was something they put their uh, their their they camped out basically and got this land and you were given a quarter parcel, which is a quarter of a, uh, a mile square, a quarter parcel you're given by the government if you just planted a tree line. So oh, interesting. Another tree line. Yep. And then within another year, they came back and said, okay, you planted another tree line. So then you get another quarter parcel. So then that's how you kind of homesteaded back in South Dakota. And that was to make a barrier for the wind that blew through and the, and the snow and for just basically like a shelter for, for people. And so my relatives have had uh, some land there, quite a bit of land actually, and still have farms there that we go back every so often to go to what's called Polywurst Festival, where we make a thousand pounds of sausage within three days. <laughs> right before Thanksgiving, it's great fun. It's so much fun because everybody pitches in and it's not like you're sitting around gossiping. You're, you're kind of busy. You're kind of like doing things. You don't have to sit there and go, well, I, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. Everybody pitches in and has a good old time and they do this in what's called the bar barn barn yeah so three days right before thanksgiving that's way they can put things outside because it's cold enough to keep things from going bad mm-hmm. and then on thanksgiving we rent out the vfw in one of our hometowns and last time there was over 100 people my relation in one place for wow. kids for, for thanksgiving it was great really fun well, it's nice that you guys have a community organization that kind of kind of gets that all together, and that way you all participate. And it sounds like it's a lot of fun. So it's actually just my family, not the community. <laughs> oh, what? see, that's amazing. Now, in terms of the geography of the state, I don't really know that much about it, but for most of my research, has either been either plains or mountainous areas. That's been what I've seen, although there's a few rivers that run through there as well. Right. So the Missouri is the second largest river in the United States, runs through basically the center of it. And that center defines the left. The west is more of a mountainous. Well, it's plains up to a mountain area where the Black Hills are and Mount Rushmore. I see you have a picture there. Mm-hmm. And I'm from the east side, which is very flat plains, except for a few valleys and lots of lakes. In 1994, there was uh, continuous rain and some of the, the area was just flooded. So I've got pictures of a place that we used to go to when I was a kid at one of my um, uh, 
classmates. And it's now eight feet underwater and it's never changed. It's in a literally in a literally in a lake and they can never go back to their home. And it's now they can fish in that lake, which was completely dry at one point. So now all of if you look on Google um, maps in that area, oh Google Maps just See, because you said it, and then all of a sudden it's like piped in. Um, You can actually see in that part where it's really, really wet, and there's lots of uh, little lakes. So in 1994, when those continuous rains happened, the ground got saturated, those lakes never went away, and it stayed that way. Where do the fish come from then? Very interesting things. Or do they do they popu- do they bring the fish in to areas no, like that? Fish, uh, you know, I don't know. I just know that there are places that didn't have anything like water at all. And now they do water and fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, in terms of the weather, though, I know it can get really, 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 really super cold in South Dakota. Um, talk to me about what the seasons look like growing up. Very extreme. Probably the most extreme that. You know, if any, so when I grew up, when I grew up, it would get to about 104, 106 in the summer, and the, the winters would get down to negative 35 below Fahrenheit. I mean, literally so cold that if you were to pee, it would like freeze before it hit the ground. Oh, wow. I mean, it was so cold. I had a car that was a Chevette, and I one day, I, yeah, a vet, and I went into work because my boss said, Do you want to come into work? I was in high school, mind you, but. It was closed, canceled because of a snow day. We can talk about that in a bit. So no school. I said, why don't you come into work? So I did. And it stayed unbearably cold, like 30, 35 degrees below zero. Park my car, go inside, 8 o'clock in the morning, come back out at 5, take off down the road, and the car's going, the tires froze flat on the bottom. It was so cold. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it gets really, really cold there. And yeah, I'm not so much a fan of that. But as far as extreme climates, it's also known to change the fastest in temperature, like 45 degrees, I think within one hour. It's oh my gosh. So it's got extremely quickly changing uh, temperatures at times. I've been there in the past where I'm going to go out and barbecue. Put something on the uh, we have a deck in my home well, my home, where my house was in my hometown. And on the deck we'd have like a big barbecue. I'm gonna put up uh, the steak, couple of steaks. I'm gonna go turn on the barbecue. I went inside, came back, it was sunny, come back out, go to put my steak on, and it pours down rain. <laughs> I take out the steaks because it's pouring down, I go inside, and it stops raining. <laughs> it's just like that, and it's sunny again. So it would change very quickly. <laughs> and we're also known for, I guess. Now the tornadoes that used to happen in a little further south, like um, uh, uh, Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Nebraska, have now kind of moved towards South Dakota being the number one uh, tornadoes each year in the United States. So, so is it part of torn- has, or has it been part of Tornado Alley? It always has, but it was on the northern end. Now it's it's for some reason it's moved up, and that's now the kind of the center of where all the tornadoes are. Mm, okay. So the center of the United States, we got. You know, very center, but north, um, North Dakota, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Wyoming, and and Montana are the bordering states. All of which are sparsely populated. I'm really kind of surprised because it's got so much land available. It's just, you would think that there would be companies that would come in, develop, that you'd have larger cities or something like that over a course of period of time. But I guess that just never really, it's, it's still kind of that old Americana kind of rural slash small town feel. Well, there are some that have moved into the area. Like, I don't know if you know Citibank, if you ever call and talk to anybody on the line. It's from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. 
move their business there because it's it's very desirable for businesses that don't need to have a place that's you know they can talk uh, on the phone or, or or you know you you don't need to, you can be remote anywhere. Hmm. So speaking of some of the aspects of South Dakota, I'm curious in terms of the culture now. With respect to religion, there are some states where religion plays a huge, uh, a huge uh, amount of influence. Like if if you're in Utah, the Mormon South religion, Dakota, is very, like what what are the religious uh, like aspects of South Dakota? Very Catholic. Okay. Um, I would say majority Catholic, um, Protestant, but very Christian Catholic. Um, and really, that's about it, uh, unless you're American Indian or Native American. Um, most of the people are, are white. Uh, there's really no Spanish. There's really no Asian. There's really no black. There's really nothing else other than white. I grew up in hometown. I think there was one black person in our whole hometown. So really, there's people don't even really know how to be prejudiced in some ways because they don't have it around them. And I, I grew up with that kind of mentality. Um, but yeah, it's mainly Catholic and very strong influence of Catholic. So um, my mom was very strong. My grandma was very strong in Catholicism. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's talk about this picture I have right here. Um, the Corn Palace. What is that? Talk to me about that. <laughs> so that's in Mitchell, South Dakota. That's the, uh, the Corn Palace. And the corn palace is basically, it's all made of either corn cobs or corn, <laughs> literally corn, um, what do you call it? Kernels. Um, kernels, yes. And it's beautiful. It's actually really well done because they'll, they'll make huge murals and sides, uh, walls with, with corn. And it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Which leads to talking about the art. And are there any like well-known artists or famous museums, any singers that might come from this area? Um, artist uh, Terry Redlin is a big one from South Dakota. He's I, I was just kind of looking up because I was trying to find out more about him. But he was born and raised in Watertown, which is just south of where I was uh, born and raised in, in Webster. And he does a lot of um, artwork on um, just kind of farmland and what it looks like and just really beautiful things like of, of pheasants and uh, things that South Dakota is really known for. Nice. He's actually got his own museum in Watertown. It's kind of amazing, but it's a pretty good size. Excellent. But he's a good artist. Um, we have our uh, US, U, U, UFC, United Fighting Champion from... Oh, Ultimate Fighting Championships? From, from my hometown. He was actually two years younger than me. Brett, uh, Brock... Um, Brock Lesnar. Lesnar, that's right. He's from my hometown. I knew him very well. And uh, he kind of spouted off to me when he was young. <laughs> He was small I, back then. Yeah, it was like that, that was that was that was a little bit of a time difference back in the day. So, um, in terms of the languages in the area, it's primarily just English and then a smattering of uh, Native American Sioux tongues. Indian, maybe. Yeah. yeah, as far as American Indian, there's a Sioux Indian. I had a Sioux Indian girlfriend, but uh, they didn't even really speak too much Sioux amongst themselves. It kind of dissolved over time, and it pretty much is all just English. Okay. And then in terms of diet and food, I'm a big foodie. So you know that, um, when we talk about food, what is this thing that I see on the screen right now? It just looks like cute. What, how do you say it again? Chislick. Chislick. Chislick is basically cubed beef. That's deep fat fried. It's actually quite good, but not very good for you. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like kind of a country fair kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It's very much like a bar thing. That's just, you know, comfort food kind of thing. Nice. Oh, and another one I remembered uh, that we had was tiger meat. Have you ever heard of tiger meat? No. <laughs> you know how you take um, uh, certain things in, in, in Mexican food and you 
cook them with lime, right? Like chicken, different things. So it kind of like cooks it in a sense. Yeah. Well, they do that with um, with hamburger meat. Hmm. And they literally eat it raw, but it's got it's kind of cooked with lime or lemon and salt and pepper. And they'll eat it on top of like crackers like you see in the picture. Yeah. And, and that was called to them. That was called tiger, tiger meat. meat. They put it out like happy hour at bars. So it's almost like, so in a way it's almost like ceviche, like where you're using the lime and, and the salt in order to naturally cook it and, and get rid of all the bacteria or the bad bacteria that's in there. Right. So, okay. That's interesting. It's culturally, it's a very interesting kind of dish in terms of that. Um, and then I wanted to say there was something else, obviously cheese is really super huge in, you know, yeah. because of the dairy community that's out there. And so is corn. Right. But uh, in terms of other foods, uh, anything else stick out to you? Or we had a lot of deer meat when I was a kid. That was something that's not too common. I mean, you, uh, deer hunting there is huge. And I got to tell you, deer venison is really good. It's really tasty. It's it's um, very tender, mm-hmm. um, very very good meat. I used to work in a meat market when I was a kid, and deer season come around, and I I just I hate it because they would have to like you know I would always to go in and clean up after everybody, and they were, oh. well, it was just nasty. So yeah, that was one of the things I did when I was a kid. Must be fun. In terms of, well, I mean, hey, there's your recreation. But in terms of any sports, uh, it sounds like hunting is really the big primary thing. There's not a lot of like professional sports teams. Yeah. They do like a lot of ice fishing. So there's a lot of ice shacks that you see fall into their lakes in, in the summer or the spring when they didn't take them off in time and they fall into the lake, you know. But yeah, a lot of fishing, a lot of hunting, hunting for um, pheasants. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier uh, elk. Elk is a big thing that's nowhere else in the United States, in the whole world that I know of that does this, where they have a big range that's fenced off double height, fences 12 feet high, so the elk, which are very big, can't jump over. And people from all around the world pay thousands of dollars to come there to just hunt elk and be put in this kind of ring basically it's a and i heard that the japanese are the huge are, are like the big customer for it they love it mm. they come and hunt for two three days and hope they get something if they don't they lost off their two three thousand dollars <laughs> um and there's no state holidays or anything like that right just a lot of snow days for kids to <laughs> get out of school and they, they look forward to the snow days awesome well i mean we didn't have a lot of that here in california but i get i get what you're saying because i did live back east for a little while um now when i'm looking at the population map here I am stunned, really, because when I normally look at state population maps, I see a little bit of red pop up here and there, and it looks like the only the tiniest of spots here, one on the east coast, one on the west coast of this state. Um, what are those cities that we're looking at there? So in the southeast, that's Sioux Falls, our largest city. Um, and then on the west side, that's Rapid City, which is right by the Black Hills or Mount Rushmore. Really, that's the largest populations in South Dakota. The, 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 the center is Pierre, which is the capital, but it's pretty small itself. Yeah, it's a very sparsely populated place. Okay. Well, it's primarily because it's a lot of uh, farming and ranching and things like that for the most part. Yep. I think back in the 1700s, 1800s, people came through on their horse and buggy and they, they got stuck there and they never left. That's about it. 
<laughs> now, but there are have been some businesses that have come there and are are working pretty heavily. Tyson obviously is a big producer there. Um, you know, 3M has a facility there. There's a couple of health organizations. Uh, you know, someone with Dac- Dactronics as well, correct? Yes, my cousin was one of the manufacturer, or one of the uh, manu- uh, managers there. Actually, hmm. I think she still is. She was moved to San Diego, but Dactronics makes the huge signs for schools and and. Uh, <laughs> public places that have the LEDs that, you know, display whatever. So that was a big, yeah, that's that comes from South Dakota. Um, I'd mentioned earlier, Citibank, is, mm, is, yeah. their center headquarters is there. Um, and then the dairy, uh, like the large dairy community that's there also. The dairy, the, yes, dairy and cheese, cheese manufacturing is huge. And it, dairy, I'm trying to remember the name of it now. Dairy, dairy Valley Dairy, I can't remember the name of it right now. But yeah, a very big plant there. Okay. There's also things like um, Dakota Quilt. They make a lot of quilts. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Black Hills Gold. Black Hills Gold is kind of like a purple, and and uh, it's it's very tinted green to purple, but gold. That comes from South Dakota. So those are some of the big things that are manufactured there. What about as far as the roads there? How like would you say they're relatively safe? I mean, how, like how would you? How Long would you stretches of land, but basically <laughs> you can go as fast. No, I can't say as fast as you want. But the uh, speed limit, I think, was seventy-five last time I checked. Nice. Um, and, and for the you know the long distances, what else are you going to do? And it's very flat, so the roads are very flat, long, straight. So and they're very good roads. They actually do very well with keeping up with their roads. Okay, very cool. Uh, there's only like one or two airports though in the state that are of any, any size, and for the most part, they don't have a lot of like large jets and stuff that come in. It's mostly puddle jumpers. Right. So Sioux Falls and Rapid City, I think up to a 737. And then there's a couple other that um, are the puddle jumpers, like Watertown, Aberdeen, Mobridge, a few other ones, but they're, it's too sparsely populated. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of tourism, people come to the state for like the hunting, the fishing. Sturgis bike rally was very big. I don't know if you saw last year spreading COVID just like it did. Yeah. Um, um, the Black Hills is, is, is huge. People and of course, Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, huge opportunity yep. there as well. So Crazy Horse, which is not mentioned very often, which is the largest monument in the whole United States. The head of Crazy Horse is, is as large as all of Black uh, Mount Rushmore, but it's got a long ways to get finished, which never happened. <laughs> Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, like, I went to Spain back in 2016 to go see um, the cathedral there, uh, La Sagrada Familia, and that's been being built for about 100 years now, and it's going to be completed in about 2025, and it is a masterpiece. So I'm thinking that they, if they definitely dedicate the time to do it, that they could certainly start they to... With funding. I think they ran out, and there's been no, no talks of new funding for them, so they're kind of stalled. Mm. Okay. Now the government though, uh, it sounds like it's changed a little bit since you've been there. Um, talk yeah. to me a little bit about that. So our last governor was, um, the, um, house Tom Daschle. leader, Tom Daschle, and he's yeah. Democrat, but now it's very much Republican. It was very Republican red state ever since I can remember, to be honest. And, uh, it's gotten really red though. I mean, to the point that it's a little bit, too much. It's radical red, and um, it's not that they're 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 um, prejudiced in any way or discriminatory. It's just that they kind of get this extreme idea of like, I, don't tell me what to do, kind of thing. You know, I, I'm not going to wear a mask if I don't want to. It's my right. Well, yeah, but you're also protecting other people by wearing a mask. You know, I don't know. It's just things like that. Yeah. So it's actually known right now for having the largest COVID population uh, per capita. 
COVID. So that's a problem. Now, as far as the cash crops, though, the resources in the state, I mean, wheat is obviously a big one there. Uh, Soybean was until obviously the trade wars with China. I'm not sure if it still is. Um, Honey is one and canola oil, uh, another one that's been really, really sizable. You're saying corn is another one that's there. And obviously the dairy industry is another thing that's really super huge there too. Sunflowers, like sunflower seeds are huge there. Great to see sunflowers. I don't know if you've ever been through a sunflower uh, a, a field. They turn with, their head turns with the sunshine. So like in the morning, this taste, you know, forward to the, to the east and then it changes to the west. Literally changes. <laughs> I've, ne- I've never known that. Changes. It's crazy, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's really crazy. I, I think that's actually really cool, though. Um, then in terms of civil rights and um, people's rights, uh, I know that the Dakota Pipeline, uh, that's been a big uh, to-do, uh, an issue that's been going over um, Native American lands, and that was something I know that was a big a big pushing point, I think, over the last couple of years. Uh, and even, even going into the Obama administration, uh, I know there was some challenge there. And it sounds like there's a little bit of, you know, you know, pushing on, on both sides of having this conversation. Uh, yeah. Um, that's always kind of been a problem, um, a, a, a place of contention in South Dakota with the American Indians, the native Americans that were there because, you know, they were really there before us and um, they were given an unfair deal as far as I'm concerned when it came to our government giving them land, they gave them really bad land that really they couldn't put any kind of crops on because it was all desolate and rocky or sandy and, and bad land. And they've always kind of got this, you know, shaft, the bad end of the deal. And so when the pipeline came through and they've got land that they're are desperately holding on to and they want to keep clean and pristine and they want to bring through a pipeline, you know, I don't blame them for like saying, hey, wait, hold on a second. You gave us this land. Why are you trying to come through it now? You know, and then you're going to pollute our water. But on the other side, there are some, I've heard some reports, could be true or not, that there's a lot of um, political maneuvers on the, their side, the, the Indian side, that are excessive and they're really pushing and they've actually made unfair or un, untrue statements about certain things that have happened and made up things that have happened in, in a sense. But, you know, it comes with both sides. Who knows what to believe sometimes these days. Mm, no, I understand. And then in terms of education, there's two large universities that really stand out, and that's the University of South Dakota, which was founded in 1862, and then, of course, South Dakota State University, which was founded later on in 1881. But apart from that, any any other thoughts in terms of colleges that really stand out to you in South Dakota? SDSU is really the big one in Brookings, which is just north of Sioux Falls. Mm. Um, people go there from pretty much all over. But there's just not enough population to really have much. But n- not... Uh, <laughs> Leave that to say that the literacy rate from high school is very good. Nobody comes out of high school, as far as I know, without being able to read and write. Okay. I don't think that's changed. I think they've actually been, it's one of the highest literacy uh, from high school rates in the United States. Okay, excellent. Um, And then finally, uh, safety and security. There's not really, in terms of foreign or domestic terrorism, like anything that really stands out to you. Uh, Nothing? No, nothing really. I mean, it's... Major crimes. No, I really can't mention much of anything because there's just not enough people that do much. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, that makes the, in terms of a in terms of visiting a little bit more of a safer balance. But um, talk. Let's let's just do like a quick one minute like elevator speech. If I am a tourist and I'm wanting to go to South Dakota, why do I want to go? A lot of people go there to see the just the wide open lands, the the 
people that are there are very genuine, very honest, very tell you as it is. They'll help you out in a heartbeat. The The crime is very low, mm-hmm. um, so it's very safe. But the things that you may want to see are the Black Hills. Mount Rushmore is quite something to see. I've been there two or three times. Um, and generally just how what it's like to live in a really rural place. But a lot of people also go there for tourism, for um, pheasant hunting and deer hunting, because it's got no place that I know of in the United States has better hunting for both those things. Excellent. Well, Scott, I really want to thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me. Before we go, though, I know that you are actually doing a little bit of a charitable thing coming up here. Can you tell me a little bit about this? So the California Classic Bike Tour for the Arthritis Foundation, I just actually started last week. I'm accepting or helping them with donations um, to fight against arthritis. Um, If you know anything about me, I've actually had osteoarthritis since 23. I've had a back problem um, that is... It's been continuous, so it hits home for me, um, and, I, and I feel like it's, it's a good cause. And we ride our bikes for, which is supposed to be from uh, San Francisco to, or Los Angeles, or the other way around, Los Angeles to San Francisco, and um, over a seven-day period to um, get donations for Arthritis Foundation. So anybody would like to um, donate, please, this is my website. We'd be happy to take donations, and it helps um, cure arthritis or look for cures and helps people that we all will end up with arthritis, I think, for the most part, when we get into an older age. So it'll help against that. So please donate. Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate that. And I'm also going to include the information in our show notes for the people on the podcast who aren't able to see the link. So appreciate that, Scott. Thank you so much. Thank you, Scott. And then if there are any questions or concerns for my students that are out there, um, you can certainly send them to me at scott at theprofessortravel.com. If you're on YouTube right now and you haven't already done so, see that little bell icon right above you? Click on that in order to be notified about when new videos come out. If you haven't already subscribed, please click the subscribe button. It doesn't cost you anything extra. I promise I won't charge you for it. It'll be amazing. You'll love the content. And speaking of the content, if you like this and you'd like to receive more of it, please click the like button. It certainly does. Click the like button. It's right there. (laughs) It's down there somewhere. Uh, And then, of course, if you're listening on the podcast, certainly please feel free to rate us. We really appreciate it. And until next time, I am the Professor Travel. And make sure that you stay safe, especially in this time of COVID. Uh, Make sure your family is safe. But when you do travel, enjoy the moment. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye, everybody. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California.